This is your other brother's podcast. Brothers Podcast, navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. I'm your host, Tom. I, at least I think that's still my name. And I think here with me is still my brother, Ryan. It's been a while. Who knows? <laughs> who knows who but, you are? Anyway. Hey, everyone. Hello, Ryan. And uh, joining us from the Midwest over Skype, the wonders of Skype, we have our brother, Jacob. What's up, Jacob? Hey there, guys. It is good to be back. We're back in the saddle again, mm-hmm. as they say. Mm. we're yeah we sort of unexpected sort of expected i probably didn't like um announce this properly before the break happened but oh yeah fyi y'all we're taking a summer break (laughs) (laughs) we're taking a little brief summer break as tom figures out his life and uh and then we'll be back we'll be back eventually because um because i need to say that right off the bat i had at least three or four people reach out and say hey so like is the podcast still going? Are y'all still doing that? Because I hope you are, because I really love the episodes and I really want to hear more. And so that was encouraging. It was encouraging Aww. to be missed. Like it would have been a thing mm-hmm. if, if nobody just said anything. And it, and they we just like disappeared into the shadows and nobody minded. They're like, oh, good. We don't have to hear from them anymore. But to be missed is a lovely thing indeed. So I've missed all of you guys and I've missed you two as well on the show with me today. So I'm glad we can do this and... And be back, and not only be back from a, a brief summer break, but to be back to celebrate our fiftieth episode. Fiftieth episode! Woo-hoo. Can you believe it? We may or not be celebrating with liquids, <laughs> <laughs> some bubbly, some bubblies. So right big, now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is really big, guys, to be here for fifty episodes. I know y'all mm-hmm. haven't been here for fifty episodes, but I have, and I feel like <laughs> I feel like I've earned my spirits today. Yeah, no, I I feel like um, I've been on I've been on enough, and I'm willing to celebrate. Like it doesn't take a lot mm. to get me in the celebratory spirit, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan, you've been on a good chunk of episodes, and Jacob, you're starting mm-hmm. to acquire a little bit That's of a true. resume now. So yeah, I mean, I don't think that I actually have earned the right to you haven't uh, join but... in, but I am <laughs> I am happy for any ex- any excuse to pop the cork and just be married and you're yeah and you're suffering well for us today because you've turned off your air conditioning and for the sake of sound quality and so so you deserve to celebrate as well thank you tom yeah it is like 120 here so if as this episode continues if i become faint and weak and (laughs) start making awful sounds and slurring and i'm basically dying over here and then you will know why so just let us know when the like cartoon Oasis Mirage Ooh, starts yes. appearing in your living room. I, I will. Yeah, oh, yeah, and we'll take a break. Excellent. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yes, Jacob, we care about <laughs> your your conscious state. So love it. Well, I'm glad you guys are here, and I'm glad we're back. It feels so good to be back in the rhythm again. Mm-hmm. Um, I really have missed being in front of this microphone, and yeah, the the dialogue with all of our amazing listeners. Um, it's been a fun summer because it's been a summer of a Yabbers retreat. It's been a summer mm-hmm. of a revoice conference. Mm-hmm. And for me, as I've been traveling, 
I'm in between living situations right now. So for the last couple of months, I've been traveling all over the country, connecting with a lot of our yobbers and meeting a lot of our new readers and supporters and listeners. And it's been really fun to be able to have such an opportunity these last couple of months while the podcast has been on a little bit of a hiatus to still be engaging with, with our amazing community. So you guys are awesome. And, um, and we love doing this show for you. So here we are. And we're for a 50th episode, you know, we had to go big, right? It's like go big or go home. We're Mm -hmm. not going to just be here for our 50th episode, um, and talk about the weather, which it's raining and a hundred degrees all over the country (laughs) right now. It's like a heat wave in this country. We could talk about that, but, but we're here to talk about attachment today. That's our, that's our big subject our big topic. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're going to dive into attaching to humans. (laughs) sweet <laughs> in like a parasitic wow. way yeah i love i love that <laughs> exactly it's a bit of a, a bit of a callback to our emotional dependency episodes that we did back in the day and so i'm excited for the conversation that we have today about emotional attachment and connecting with other men both in good ways and maybe not not as optimal ways yeah, this is something that I've been really wanting to sort of develop a little more in our podcast is talking about um, emotional attachment. And, um, you know, I think this is something I'll, I'll probably bring up later, but um, emotional dependency, the way we've talked about it in the past, is helpful to a certain extent in some situations. But I think, um, but I think kind of having a bigger, a bigger, more robust view of emotional attachment and all the healthy ways and all the unhealthy ways we can be emotionally attached is more helpful. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into um, some more of those nuances. I would agree. I think this is a, a topic that when I first like heard this is what we were going to be doing, I definitely felt some trepidation just because it is something that really hits close to home. I think for, for, for each of us here. And so I think that that, that means that it is something that is worth talking about and worth unpacking because it is so close to our hearts and it's, um, something that I think, I think mm. absolutely resonates with lots of people. It, it is a relevant topic. If you're a human, you attach to other people in good ways. And like I said, not so good ways. And so we're going to talk about some of those ways today, trade some stories and keep this conversation going. So I'm excited to do that with y'all. Before we go any further with episode 50, though, I need to say this about episode 49, because by and large, our community is really great. I love our our supporters, our yobbers. Um, We got a lot of really good feedback in the episode 49 episode, which you haven't listened to it. You know, obviously, I, I, I would recommend listening to our podcast in order, although I guess some people maybe jump around. But um, but 49 was kind of a pivotal one because I took we took that episode to talk about letting go. And in particular, I talked about Yab and how Yab has changed in the last year or so and how that's affected my life and a lot of letting go. Um, and I got at least one, not necessarily, I mean, I guess it was negative. I guess it was negative feedback. I don't want to sugarcoat it. I don't want to like make it less of it is. But there was one, at least one person who wanted to know like more. It was like, like, how come you didn't just say more? How, I wanted to know more. I wanted to get more specifics out of you about what, what happened and why, why things are the way that they are now. And it's like, at the end of the day, this podcast, really, the podcast is a microcosm of my life at large as a writer, as a storyteller of 
you know, writing memoirs and writing vulnerable stories from my life, it's constantly a battle for me sifting through how do I like translate what's going on in my life and how it affects other people because I also want to respect other people and not like put their story out there. And so um, my life in this podcast is constantly figuring out like, okay, I need to share this and I need to share this, but do I share that or do I share, how much do I share? What's the appropriate amount? And by the end of that recording, you guys are really great to support me afterward, along with Dean, who was on that last episode. Uh, I felt really good about everything I shared. I was like, you know what? I could have said things a little differently or I could have said more. I could have said less, but I actually felt really good about everything I did share. And, and I didn't have to edit anything out because I kind of left that up up to me afterward to be like, huh, I wonder if I should take that out or not include that. And so, so everything I said was everything that was said. I didn't say anything more. I didn't say anything less. Um, and I feel good about what I've shared. And if it's not enough information, the way I put it out there is if, if you can go to yourotherbrothers.com, if you can read our blogs and you listen to our podcast and you don't like what you see, then you don't have to listen to our content. You don't have to read our content. Like if there's something that was different before that you miss, that's not there now. Like I can't really do anything about it, but I feel good about where we are and I shared what I shared and I'm ready to like move on now. And we've got an amazing group of guys in this community, two of them here on this podcast today. Um, and I feel really good about where Yab is going and, and how Jesus is at the center of it all. And I'm excited to continue to dive into more, more topics and hopefully more regularly scheduled topics that could be a foreshadowing alert. Um, but yeah, I'd love to, to get back into a regular rhythm with the podcast and continuing to do what we do, which is tell stories and, and support one another in this, this Jesus journey that we're all on. So, so there you have it. Episode 49 is now officially in the books Mm. and we're full steam running with episode 50. Amen. 50 plus. Onto the fifties. I love it. Yeah. This is like middle-aged crisis (laughs) zone. We're, we're baby boomers. Baby boomers. This is for all the baby boomers out there. We are now in the 50s with you. So really exciting. Um, Well, I mentioned at the top kind of where I've been up to this summer, and I was curious if you guys had any summer updates the last couple of months. Any like any trips, any uh, any beach flings, any um, summer reading, anything, anything to, to tell the people? Well, I haven't gone on any cool trips yet, but in only a couple of weeks, my entire family is going on a cruise to Alaska. So that's Whoa. quite exciting. It's it it will be my first ever cruise mm. and I have heard excellent things from those who have been on them and yeah, it should be great. I'm excited. Have have either of you been to Alaska? I have not. I I did an Alaska cruise with my family in like 10th grade or something, which ah. I think I was too young to really appreciate Alaska mm. at that point. Mm. But that's my only experience. Alaska, in Alaska is my final state that I need to visit. I've been to 49 oh of our goodness. 50 really? states. And so I'm only missing one. Yeah. Well, wow. don't go too fast or else you won't have anything else to live for. <laughs> I know. What do I, what do I do <laughs> after I see Alaska? Like that's it. Yeah. The, the country has been conquered It'll and I guess I have no choice but mm. to retire. <laughs> yeah no i've always wanted to go and so it's like constantly toying with me i look at maps all the time and i see alaska sitting up there and i Mm. ponder my life and where you know when when i'll make it up that way so Mm. that's exciting jacob family family cruise to alaska indeed 
similarly, I have a trip coming up that I'm excited about. I'm going up to visit my sister and her family in Connecticut, and my my parents are joining us, so we're all sort of convening there. I'm going to see my nieces, who are three and one. I'm excited oh. about that. But the, uh, the, the twist is that I'm taking the train up there. Uh, Whoa. Which I did that once, like right after college. I took the train up to New York City. And that was fun, so I'm kind of excited about that. A train all the way from North Carolina to Connecticut? Yes, sir. Wow. Going down to Raleigh Union Station or something, and then your Grand Central. I don't know. They just they just renovated the train station in Raleigh, and it's super wow. like modern and nice now. And so I'm, that's part of it is I'm kind of excited to go and use the new train station downtown. That is so exciting. <laughs> I would love to take a long-term train ride. That's It's one of my dreams for America to get high-speed rail so I could just yeah. get on a, yes. a train yes, from please. like Charlotte to Seattle in a day. Like That would be amazing. That would be sweet. Mm-hmm. Come on, government. Yeah. So <laughs> gonna, I'm, no I'm yeah, taking the train from Raleigh to New York City and then transferring to get up to um, Connecticut. And then on the way back, I'm spending a few days in New York City with some friends who live up there who just moved up there. So cool. Well, that's exciting. That. And they might even be listening. So shout out. Shout to out Tyler to our New York Joe, friends. if you're listening. Yeah. Hi, friends. I know Tyler and Joe. Yeah. What's up, Tyler and Joe? Yeah. I don't know Tyler and Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. Anyway, that's exciting. I hope everyone listening, I hope you have either have had or soon will have a good summer vacation trip. I love mm. trips in the summer. It's just, I was just in Maine and spent a solid week up there in Bahaba and had some lobster. Bahaba? And oh. yeah, at Acadia. I was like, is that, isn't, yeah. is that like in Mexico? But in Maine? Bahaba. Bahaba. No. <laughs> Bahaba. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was so great. It was amazing. I, Fell in love with the blues and the greens of mm. Maine. Um, did not fall in love with all of the tourists. That was and the mosquitoes because I left Maine this last week with the worst mosquito bites I've ever had. And I guess that's a good segue into the state of my physical being, which is not great. Yes, update us, Tom, please. <laughs> Everyone's wondering the state of my body right now, right? That's that's a thing. It's been, I mean, I've been gone for two months on this podcast, so I gotta keep the people updated. Yeah, so I got the worst mosquito bites I've ever had in Maine. They these things were monsters, um, and so I had I had no choice. I had to purchase calamine lotion for the first time in my life. Paid like eight dollars for this big bottle of pink goo, <laughs> and was slathering it literally all over my legs and arms because these mosquitoes feasted on me, and I've never itched so much. And just as that was starting to recover from that, I then was working at my grandma's house. Um, helping my uncle in the yard because her yard is atrocious, like just overrun with weeds and ivy. And so we did a lot of landscaping in the yard for a couple of days and had the passing thought of thinking, hmm, I wonder if I should cover up with like pants and long sleeves. But, you know, it's 98 degrees like it is in the rest of the country. It was so hot. And so I was, you know, in a tank top one day and shorts all days. And Little did I realize after that adventure that I was covered in poison ivy, poison oak, something poisonous <laughs> oh. to where it's like the mosquito bites times a mm. hundred. Like there's no comparison. My body has been itching like crazy, covered in pink goo. <laughs> Ryan can attest right now that I look yeah. the worst I've ever looked. Yeah. I'm a, a monster. <laughs> I feel pink scales on my skin are permanent and that I'm just going to be a pink panther from now on. Some sort of like calamine oh. elemental. <laughs> 
it's it's not great. But I'm hoping that uh, I'm at the the tail end of this little uh, itching adventure because I've I've had enough. I've had enough of just being in a perpetual state of of itch. Okay, I'm I've never used calamine lotion because I have not so far. Thank goodness had a reason to. Mm-hmm. But on a scale of like zero to ten, how helpful is it really? I don't know. It just doesn't look like it does. It oh, does it's, much. I don't it know. feels so good. Oh, like, yeah? okay. The problem is you have to keep the only rec on the bottle. It says only use it three to four times a day. But I said, no, no. I'm doing I'm using it like <laughs> nine to ten. Times I choose a day. death. Yeah, I choose death. <laughs> I'm going to let it seep into my bloodstream. Yeah, no, it's oh, like boy. instant soothing because like the itch, there's like this when you scratch just once, there's a burning sensation. Like if you uh-huh. have bad poison ivy, which I've had like one little itch, it feels good for like it's just like sin. It feels good for a second. And then there's just this raging <laughs> burn that comes after that. And so the calamine lotion like instantly cools it. There's a cooling sensation. It's supposed to dry out the rash. Okay. Um, and so it's effective, you know, for an hour or two maybe, but I've had some really like, like big gashes in my skin. And so I've had to reapply many times. So, oh my goodness. um, does it, does it say on the bottle what are the symptoms of like overdose? Like what what could what could possibly happen? I, I to don't you know. I, I haven't looked into stuff. that, but I I've, it's reached a point yeah where I just don't care. Like if, if this <laughs> if I pass out because something's gone into my bloodstream or or my brain just Perfect. has lost some capacity because of all of this lotion on me, I don't care anymore because I need to I need the itching to stop. It's probably just when they did their like human safety trials. That's that's all that they tested for. Like they didn't, they didn't mm-hmm. have any like trial any groups that were putting it on 24 times a day. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a journey, but, uh, I'm, I'm on the tail end. I'm on the road to recovery and healing. And so I, I'm ready though. I'm ready for it to be done. It's mm. been, it's been quite the couple weeks. So y'all let's dive into, uh, our favorite segment, the manly morsel. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we have this segment where everyone brings something to the table to talk about. And we call it the manly morsel. We've always because, called it that. Oh, uh, we have? Uh, <laughs> always. <okay. laughs> From episode one. From episode happy, one to happy, episode happy 50, 50. We're talking about the manly morsel. Um, and yeah, this is just a, a little thing to just get the keep the conversation going before we start talking about attachment Mm -hmm. so uh so jacob do you have a morsel to share with us oh thank you tom yes i do so in the theme of morsel mine is actually kind of food connected i recently have um begun to use a very popular app known as grubhub which i had (laughs) when you started that app i was thinking you were about to say something else okay good (laughs) keep going wait what 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 do you think that I is? I don't know. I'm not going to plant any seeds. An app where you can order okay, up manly good. morsels. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey. Grubhub. Yes. Tell me about Grubhub. Oh, you're right. You're right. Excellent. Yes. So I had never used this app up until about a month ago. And now I love it and am filled with shame because <laughs> it is, there is something so lazy mm. and slackery mm. and just like you can order any f- any food from like places that you can get to yourself and just go and get food but no you you order food and then have someone else bring it to you which i have done way too many times now and 
the one time that I really felt like something was wrong, that I was doing it wrong, was that the person bringing me my food, who I kind of saw pull up from my window, had a handicap sticker in her car, and she gets out with holding my food and a cane, (laughs) walks up, walks up to my second floor apartment and brings me my dinner. You made this poor woman deliver your food? I made a handicapped person come and bring me food, and my soul just crumbled into dust, and I thought, what am I doing? When when Jesus said it's easier for the rich to get into heaven (laughs) than than a camel going through the eye of a needle... I think this is what he was thinking about. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Yep. 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 So my, I'm uh, just picturing her dra- like not only putting the, you know, hobbling with the cane, but also dragging like an oxygen tank behind her as she like <laughs> goes up the stairs, yes. up the stairs. Yes. There's like 30 stairs leading up to your up the steps. She can hardly breathe. She gets to my door and she's panting and she's crying and it's hot outside and, like here, I brought. And then let me guess, your steak was overdone, so you sent it back. <laughs> I said no. Give it back and come back again. Yes, and then and then I was turned into a beast until I could find mm. true love. <laughs> Sounds about right. And that's that, folks. Oh my goodness! So I have a follow up question. Um, do you or do you not currently own an electric scooter? <laughs> Maybe I'm not quite sure how that's related to this topic. Brian, I have, but I have a follow-up question. And yes, uh, have you ever ordered anything from a restaurant that you can reach with your electric scooter? I have not. Okay, yet. so there's that. There's that. So, so that is that is something. Yeah, just don't do that, yes, and then you're you. fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. So my so my question for for you guys uh, is is that is a, is that um, so, uh, something that you've used? B, are there uh, contexts or reasons for using such a service that you think are more appropriate than others? And C, Tom, I'm actually a bit shocked that you haven't already started working for them. What's up? <laughs> um, no, that that kind of work is beneath me. I don't I don't <laughs> deliver food to people. I'll drive them around. I'll drive them around town and take them wherever they want to go. But picking up food for them, I draw the line. I draw the line there. Mm. Um, no, I have actually Excellent. never called in for delivery of anything. Like not a pizza, not Chinese, not Grubhub, not anything. I've always picked up wow. my meals. It's not like a prideful thing. It's just, that's just the way it is. I don't know. I've never, I've never even considered it. Thank you for making me feel (laughs) awful. You're welcome. Ryan? I'm not sure that I've used Grubhub in particular, but I've used a different app. I can't remember the name. It wasn't DoorDash. I think it's out of business now. I think Grubhub might've bought them, but, um, but I've used a different app a few times and I think I have a hard, I have a hard time doing it for just myself because I feel like I pay like (laughs) Sixteen dollars for a hamburger, somehow. Mm. You know, every time I do, (laughs) where did my money go? Right. Um, But like for multiple people, I think it makes a lot of sense. If you're just like hanging out at the house and and you're like, oh, we want we want lunch, but we don't want to go somewhere, and it's four people, we can all like pass the phone around and put our order together, and um, I think it makes a lot of sense for that. And also, I have. I think my like stranger anxiety 
doesn't kick in when I go to a restaurant and like order, but like having someone show up at my house, like really kicks up my stranger anxiety mm-hmm. a lot. So I think it's a, it's a kind of a bigger mental hurdle to get over than like just getting in my car and going, going and picking up like a takeout order. Yeah. I get that. Fair enough. What's your favorite restaurant to Grubhub from? There is a local Asian fusion place called Nori, which I adore with, with all Best my Best Japanese heart. for grass. <laughs> just wanted to let you know. Yes. <laughs> that feels, that just feels right. Uh, yeah, I, um, I eat there so, so often that they, they recognize me and they ask me how I'm, how I'm doing and everyone says hi. So, yep. That's fun. My favorite Chinese restaurant near my house started started working with Grubhub, so I might be picking up on the uh, Grubhub way of life. Hmm. Soon. Do we? we might need to have Grubhub updates to see what other poor, disabled, <laughs> helpless individuals y'all have. I had brought, at least so, so at least what I am very thankful for is that while I have probably used their services upwards of eight times, it's been a different person every time that has brought me my food, which I feel a little bit less ashamed that it's not like kind of a relief. the person bringing me food doesn't actually recognize, oh, you're the one who's constantly ordering from this place. And Feel free, Jacob, money. feel free either in this episode or a future Yobcast episode to order a Grubhub meal prior to the podcast. And so then during recording... We have a fun surprise visitor, um, and you can didn't that you can bring them on the show for recently, a Tom. When uh, weren't 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 you and I talking recently? We were, and and you got we got interrupted at the brought, door. Brought yeah. me dinner. That was when I first <laughs> yep. realized. Oh, he he delivers his food now. I don't know why, yeah. but I guess this is a new feature <sighs> of Jacob's life now. We don't need Jacob to do that. We can just so order Grubhub to him. Yeah, like I have his address. That's it's true. true. Just Please, by all means, send him. <laughs> Things he doesn't like. Send I'll send food. you olives. I'll take it. Oh, gross. <laughs> Three giant jars of olives <laughs> from so the Greek gross. restaurant. Hey, if, uh, if, if you can find a place that would be on uh, Grubhub to bring me olives, by all means, order away. Maybe I'm ready. Maybe olive tapenade. Mm. Excellent. Ryan and I will look into that, mm-hmm. I think. Anything to enhance <laughs> this show, this product Perfect. that we have. All right, Ryan, deliver us your morsel. What do you so, have? So, like I said earlier, I am about to take a train to New York City mm-hmm. and back, and that's about 10 hours each way, and I'll have, like, Wi-Fi and a power outlet and room to spread out. And so, in that sense, it's, like, a lot nicer than flying on an airplane and or, or driving in the car, for that matter, because you can get up and walk around the whole time and... Um, anyway, I think my, uh, my manly morsel is I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think I should do with all that time? <laughs> Write a novel. Write a novel? There's my suggestion. What should it be about? <laughs> about um, a murder on a train. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Agatha Christie already <laughs> did that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm a huge proponent of writing. Uh-huh. That's like my dream is to be on a train and write. Although th- realistically, I would probably be on a train and just like ooh and ah out the window the whole time. I don't think I would actually write. Okay, Tom, I'll put together an article for this month. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just one blog is all I'm asking for, Ryan. Just one, one post. 
Just one. I was begging Jacob for Please. a post too recently. <laughs> I know. But no, I, I'm glad you guys are on the podcast. I don't want to be passive aggressive. Okay, I but, get that. I get that. But you really should. <laughs> yeah. Talk soon. Yeah, writing the would people, be a great the idea. people want to hear from Ryan and Jacob. They love Ryan and Jacob. Did you know that Amtrak Aww. has like a like a scholarship program oh, yeah. or some sort of like a you can residency? best believe you can best believe I looked into the Amtrak writing residency <laughs> program, which is Wait, super what? exclusive. What is this? They like give thirty like something like thirty residencies where if you promise to like promote being on Amtrak as you write your next <laughs> thing, whether it's a novel or a book or a journal column or something, uh-huh. I don't know. Um, wait, is it like product placement? Like you have to write, you have to put Amtrak positively into your stories or is it like you know. tweet about it? And I think like, it's just like, yeah, you have to okay. like give them a good shout right. out or sure, something. Sure, I don't sure. know. But yeah. Wait, so do you, do you have to be doing your writing while you're on one of yes. the trains? That's like a, part of the yes, deal that's oh my goodness that's ingenious but also very bizarre. and it's also like thousands of people applied and there's only they're only going to help out like 20 people or something oh. so it, it wasn't very oh, oh Tom, odds do were it. not great did you apply please no i was no no, no no i i, I recognize the battle it was not worth fighting <laughs> this is not this is not worth it yeah Okay, so writing. That's, but writing that's is my way. suggestion in general, whether that's a novel Boring. or a blog. What do you suggest, what do you Jacob? Suggest, I think that Brian should take that time to play the card game Magic the Gathering <laughs> in the online platform against me, since oh, you have boy. Wi-Fi, and yeah. we can fight magical creatures and be super nerdy. Okay. Yeah, this is something that uh, we haven't talked about on the air yet, but we both have a background in Magic the Gathering and have enjoyed that <laughs> and in the past. We are now coming out yeah, and saying that true. we like magic. Uh-huh. Magic and men. Is there like... Uh, that? I, I want to know if there's like a really, really, really specific niche like community of like same sex attracted Christian <laughs> male magic, the gathering players. I think, I think that might only be us, Ryan. I think there right. that is a, that is a community of two. Yeah. Well, that's enough. That's all you need. And uh, no three, three. Oh, Oh, you thought of someone. Yep. There are now three of us. <laughs> Welcome. That's okay. all you need. Really? Like Jesus that's says, it. where three or more are gathered in my name. That's right. There they can play. Where is it two? I can't remember. I'm not good with scripture today. <laughs> I my, I think it's just two. I think you only need two people two. to have Jesus be quoting quoting the verse about the camel earlier. I realized I got it backwards. I was going to say it's something harder for a rich person. Yeah, to get for the people who are going to write in and say Ryan is a heretic. <laughs> we got it. I right. we all know what he meant. No, it's yeah. I'm bad at scripture, but <laughs> I wanted to clarify. <laughs> That's you have humility to admit that, which is one of our five values. So very cool. good. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. And courage. I'll just throw it out there. <laughs> yeah. My other suggestion, <laughs> juggling. Juggling learn on to the juggle. train. Okay. Yeah. I've always wanted to learn to juggle. Yeah. That'd be so fun. What a fun party trick. I'm sure and that'll my other one. Oh, I was sorry. saying I'm sure juggling will come up in a CrossFit uh, workout. Oh eventually. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good tricep workout, I think. I think that you should actually knit. Oh, wow. Mm. I think it'll take me a whole train ride to learn how to knit. No, no, no. I think, I bet you could have it mastered in about 45 minutes and then you'd be set. There's a science to it. Yeah. It's like very mathematical and very, I feel like you could pick up on that. Okay. But here's the thing. I will not 
knit again after these train rides are over. <laughs> so what can I, I accomplish well, in 20 hours? So you just want to do something, nothing else. start it, finish it, end it, be done. That's well, it. okay. With something like writing, I can, you know, oh, I you could definitely write future, a blog, but or you could write a short story. <laughs> you could at least write a blog. Maybe a 10-page short story. But like knitting, I can't think of a time when I would knit apart from no, riding that's on fine. a train. That's right. fine. Yeah. That's do you ever, Don't can, knit. Do you ever see... I can imagine knitting in a movie theater like while the movie is going. Have mm. you ever seen anyone doing that? I have not seen it, but I could picture it. No. But it would be very dark. You have to see. Yeah. Do you have to see what you're doing? I think. Well, yeah. I think. I think movie. that for, for the folks who are who are really good, I don't think that they they have to watch as they're doing it. I have I have to look still. I can't like not be watching my hands. You know, if you were to tell me before we started this podcast that we'd be talking about knitting at some point, knitting on a train, <laughs> I would have been like, huh? How did we get there? I wonder how huh. the train snakes on a plane went knitting to that. on a train. <laughs> snakes on a plane. <laughs> Yeah. Knitting on a train. Well, Ryan, you definitely need to check in with us after the train ride and tell us yeah. what happened. Okay. How did you do? I'll let you know. Did you solve a murder on the train ride or not? I will let you know if I solved a murder. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. So before we dive into the episode, I just wanted to give, again, a huge shout out to all of our amazing yobbers who support your other brothers on Patreon. This show literally could not happen without you supporting us each month and and it's been really cool lately the last few weeks actually we've gotten a couple new yobbers who have been like i call them lurkers you know you know you know who i'm talking about these people who who read our content and listen to our podcast and they never say anything but then something prompts it like i don't know something we say on a podcast or a blog that they might read and all of a sudden this triggers them to step out a little bit and either comment on our site or send an email um, or in the case of Patreon to support us on Patreon. And for some reason, yeah, I've noticed that the last couple of weeks that we've had a couple of people who have been lurkers for like upward of a year or two years. Mm. And now they've decided to support us financially. And that mm-hmm. really means a lot. It, it means a lot to me. Um, I'm in a, a transition state right now as I'm relocating and about to pay rent again and kind of get back into some financial rhythms. And so everyone who supports Yab and supports me on Patreon, I'm just so grateful. Thanks to those of you who are already doing it really does mean a lot and helps a lot. And to anyone who's curious, you can go to patreon.com slash your other bros for more information on how to get involved. It's a really fun, there's a fun community element to, to the Patreon that I definitely did not expect when we started, when we started this page a couple of years ago, because we have monthly zoom rooms, which are these group video calls and they seem to get better and better. We, we, we'd kind of go around the circle and check in with each other and introduce each other if we're new And we always have this like really great, uh, discussion topic. Like last month on our, our last zoom room, we talked about grief. Um, and a lot of our subjects are, are just kind of triggered by things going on in my life or just things that's come up in the Yob community. And, and so for that month for me, like I was in the middle of processing my grandfather's death and that was still very raw and very fresh for me because I've never experienced the loss of a loved one, um, that way. And so we had this really awesome conversation, probably, eight or nine, 10 guys from all over the world. And we're talking about grief, not only grief in the form of, of physical death, but grief in the form of friendships falling apart or divorce. Um, we talked about grief in kind of all kinds of different ways that night. And, and that was just really uplifting to me. And I, I hope it was, I'm sure it was to them as well. And that's all, again, part of the Patreon experience um, that I just really 
appreciate more and more with every passing month. It just seems like, I don't know, I fall more in love with this amazing community of men and women as well. So if that appeals to you at all, go check out our Patreon and I'd appreciate your support. And thanks to everyone who has rated and reviewed us on iTunes. We're getting closer and closer to 100 ratings and reviews, which is a huge milestone. So if you haven't already rated and reviewed Your Other Brothers podcast, please take the time to do that. It really does help us out. And it would mean a lot to to get your support in that way as well. I was a lurker once for a little bit. And then I decided to take the plunge into Patreon. And I'm so mm. glad I did because I met all these wonderful people. And, and now you have you friends. Know, now I have friends. <laughs> For the first time in my life. For the first time in uh, forever. Ryan, yeah. I couldn't imagine Yob and Patreon without you. Oh, thanks. And also, I think, Jacob, you were a lurker once. Yeah, right? I was I was a lurker for a good probably six six months or so. And then mm-hmm. wow, I just went all in. I said, yeah. hey. So any lurkers out there? Thing. Any lurkers out there? Come on in. The water's yeah. warm. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Even if you just want to send us an email and just let you know, let us know you're out there. That's true. We don't like advertise the email enough on the show. I mean, we do it in the, in the outro, but if you ever want to email the show podcast at your other we love hearing from people. So if you're new to the show or if you've just been listening for a long time and you've never said hello, like we would love to say hello back and hear who you are. Cause we know we, we know we have listeners literally around the world and certainly around the country. And so it's really great to hear just like where, where these sound waves are going. It's always, it's always awesome to see, a name attached to to a listener to one of those stat numbers. So with that, fellas, we're talking about attachment today and what that looks like in our lives. And so I figured we could just go around one by one and just kind of talk about some of the relationships in our lives that we've either had unhealthy attachments to or maybe ones that have turned out actually to be really healthy. Maybe we could intersperse a little bit of both in this in this conversation, but I'm excited to just kind of hear Here's some of these stories, which I know for me, three immediately come to mind. I'm thinking about all the relationships I've ever ever had in my life. Um, When I think about unhealthy attachment, I think about three people right off the bat in three very different seasons of my life. And so that was my first question for you two was when you hear the term unhealthy attachment, do names come up? Do you struggle to kind of think about, wait, is that unhealthy? Am I in one now? Um, Mm -hmm. When, you know, who, what, when, why, like, um, yeah, I'm curious for some more context. So for me, like I said, about three people come to mind, um, over the span of a decade, essentially the last mm-hmm. 10 years of my life. But what about you guys? Yeah, I feel like looking back over my adult life, I feel like I've been in sort of a, a series of, if not like actually unhealthy attachment kind of relationships, like on, on that trajectory is what it's felt like. And I can, look back over the seasons of my life and be like, okay, this, this couple of years is this person. And then this Mm. couple of years was this person. And then this couple of years is this person. And I can sort of measure out my life based on who I was sort of attached to at that point. And, and a lot of those, a lot of those, the, the ones by which I sort of measure, measure the seasons of seasons of my life, um, were, were kind of in that unhealthy category. Mm. So that, that resonates with me a lot. Yeah. I don't think it, for, for me, it doesn't, doesn't take much, much effort to think of those. There are, um, there are, uh, definitely a couple that come to mind instantly. Um, 
but also like as as I was pondering this more and just like thinking about what attachment has looked like for all of my life, just being really thankful that the kinds of healthy attachments that I do have and have um, been able to experience do uh, greatly outnumber the unhealthy ones. So that's just like something that I've been very thankful for because I think like um, as, as we talk more, like attachment has so much to do with how we develop as a person. Like it's such an important part of just what it means to be a human and to be um, in connection with other people. And so um, I think that like being able to look back and just see some really beautiful examples of healthy attachment is something that I'm very thankful for. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like that I can think of like one, one name in particular that I would call very healthy attachment in my life. And I'm glad to be able to kind of like conjure up that name immediately too. Have y'all found that those experiences with negative attachment have ever like like, have you experienced growth through those experiences in your other relationships and been like, okay, I learned something from how I interacted or relied on this person in my life. And so I'm going to alter that a little bit. Have you ever consciously considered what didn't work or what was negative about one relationship to positively enforce another relationship? Yeah, I think, um, you know, so... I'll drop some names in particular. Um, throughout much of college, I was pretty um, emotionally attached to a friend named Jordan, and and that that was that didn't feel like a very healthy situation most of the time. Um, I think I wanted the relationship to be a lot more and mean a lot more than than it actually did. And I think in that relationship, I wasn't very cognizant of the boundaries I was setting up um, or failing to set up, really. And so I think that that relationship, as kind of in the aftermath, I thought a lot about where it was, where, where I sort of missed in terms of like setting up the right. I don't know how to put it, the right, the right boundaries between, um, where, where my life ends and where Jordan's life began. Um, Mm. I think that is, yeah, in any healthy relationship, you have a, a strong sense of that. Um, or at least you're comfortable with that. And I wasn't comfortable with that idea. Um, and I think even though, even though Jordan wasn't the last, relationship where I really struggled with that I think that I I did take something forward from that and didn't struggle with that as badly in in later friendships hmm. can you put any kind of like specific um like an example of where his life began and yours ended where that got blurred like is there anyone any particular way that that manifested where uh where our lives sort of blurred together yeah i remember he was on the um 
he was on like the worship band for the student ministry in college I was involved in. And I felt very like, and he had his like bands friend band friends who he would hang out with, but I wasn't really close with any of them. And since I wasn't really a part of the band, I wouldn't be invited to social things that they did together. And so I got very jealous over that and envious and felt very Mm -hmm. excluded. And, um, and then they would have, you know, they would decide what songs they were going to sing at the weekly meeting. And, um, and that was sort of like, informally just a secret like they wouldn't tell people outside um outside the band what they were planning and so then I felt that you know that was just another thing to feel excluded about and so that I guess that was a place where like he there there wasn't the blurring that I wanted and that was painful Hmm. um also on the topic of music um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Sufjan Stevens and even back in college, I was a huge fan of Sufjan Stevens and I always was trying to get him to listen to Sufjan and trying to get him into it. And I was like, surely, like if he would just listen to like a full album or if he would just listen to some, he would, he would feel the it, conviction. We would yeah. have, yeah, yeah. The spirit would move and like he would fall in love with Sufjan also. <laughs> and we would have this connection to talk about Sufjan and Sufjan lyrics and Sufjan music. And, you know, he was a musician, so maybe he would play some Sufjan music and, and all this stuff. And he never did. And then uh, after, after things kind of fell apart and I moved on from that relationship and I was listening to Sufjan Stevens to sort of like soothe my, soothe my broken heart, I was mm-hmm. like, I am so thankful that like I still have this. Like I still have mm-hmm. like that this never crossed that kind of border from my life into his life. And so that I can take this forward and just have it for me that, um, yeah. So like Sufjan wasn't ruined for you. Right. Yeah. Sufjan wasn't ruined. (laughs) That'd be so unfortunate. (laughs) Like, and, and that was really something that kind of made me realize, Oh, it is really good to have like these things that are mine that aren't shared Mm -hmm. that, um, that, like there is a clear boundary between a uh, clear boundary between my life and the other person's life because you, you can sort of like, I don't know, there's some, there's some comfort or security you can take in those things maybe. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're sharing that definitely reminds me of one of the first friendships I made in the internet age of like connecting with people online and making all these connections that I made a decade ago. Um, and so there was one guy in particular that we would see each other, we'd fly around the country to see each other multiple times, and um, I guess unofficially became accountability partners to use Christianese. Like we would check mm-hmm. in with each other when we were tempted and that's confess like, to each other. That's like second base for Christian <laughs> Second base Christian men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I had never had that before. Like my context is I went 20, 21 years of my life never having any kind of relationship like that with another guy, like not even close, nothing at all comes close to that. And so now to experience that with this, with this friend, um, it was very, I was very obsessive about it. I was very controlling about it. And, and that whole, that whole concept of blurring, where does my life end and where does this person be begin? Um, it was very confusing to deal with. And, um, and I just remember realizing that it was unhealthy was, um, in the midst of being accountability partners, like in my world, in my opinion, you know, if we're, if we're strong Christians and we're leaning on each other and we're 
and we have this like really awesome friendship that's rooted in Christ. Like, well, then what's what's the problem, right? We should never struggle. We should never even be tempted. We have everything we need, right? And mm. and so the reality was this person had done things way more seriously than the things I did. Like the worst things that I had done sexually to that point were watching pornography. And even that, it was very soft core pornography. It wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't the hardcore stuff that you can find out there. And and so the other person had, you know, done stuff a lot more, a lot more serious with a lot more consequences than I had done. And I just remember there were a couple times where he had some inappropriate interactions with some people and I just felt crushed. I was just like, mm-hmm. if we're so close, like, isn't, isn't, am I not enough? Like, am I not enough for you? Like, why, mm-hmm. why do you need to go to another human to satisfy you sexually? Like, why can I, why can this friendship not mm. fill any kind of that void, that emotional void that you're feeling? Um, and I just remember feeling so offended by that as if, you know, as if I had done that action myself, essentially. And it was, I was unable to separate myself from him for, you know, a solid year or so. Um, it was just never, it was never healthy again after that because I couldn't separate like, like what, meanwhile, I'm like still on the straight and narrow and playing holier than thou as if I'm, you know, some super Christian because I'm not doing those things, but this person does. And, and I feel it kind of like took a while to get over the hit to my, masculinity because I felt like I wasn't a strong enough friend to him that I couldn't inspire him enough to not do those things. And, and I just placed a lot of unwarranted fault and blame on myself in that friendship. And, and that's something that I've absolutely taken with me when we're talking about redemption and how we've like taken things we've learned from unhealthy relationships to make it positive. Like my heart still grieves when I have a good friend who struggles with something or does something that they shouldn't or, or that, or that, um, causes them grief and shame. Like, of course, that's going to affect me as a human, but I no longer bear the blame for it. And I think that's been a huge evolution of growth from that friendship is that like, yeah, I'm going to feel sad and I'm going to mourn with you if, if you have a hard time or if you do something that you regret. But um, but ultimately, I've had to learn that every every one of us is a human and can make our own decisions. And mm. and sure, we can be there for each other and encourage each other not to do certain things and be there and and provide some accountability. But at the end of the day. I have to learn to be content that the other person's going to decide whatever they're going to decide about whatever they want to decide about, you know? And so I've had to make that adjustment and, and it hasn't been easy because I still tend, that's kind of a tendency I guess I have is to think that, you know, shouldn't I be enough for you? But mm-hmm. we're all human, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel that there was a, um, uh, kind of going off, um, both of those a little bit, the, um, the very first, uh, roommate that, I, that I ever had when I moved to where I live currently, um, I was moving to a new city where I didn't have any friends. I didn't, um, know anyone here. And so, um, I, I had this, this thought in, in my head that like he and I were going to become the best friends in the world and at, and, and I was going to make it happen by being the best roommate that this world has ever seen. And both of you know me and you know how much I can be a people pleaser. And like, I, I, I love to work really hard to be a good host and to love people well and to, t- and to take care of people well. And so, um, for the first like good couple months where I didn't really have any like other 
other outlets for those kind of energies, like all of it went towards him. And I think that, I think that any, any time that any person focuses all of their relational energies on a single human being, like that's, I don't think that ever ends up as being anything good for, for either person. Um, and so there was some, I think, yeah, just because I felt so alone, like there was some very unhealthy attachment that, that happened there because I, I poured everything that I had in, into him. And I can think of like, what um, one of the things that, that happened that really op- opened up my, my eyes to, to all of that was that I, um, I really love to cook as, as you both know. And, um, it would be a pretty regular thing that I would just make a uh, dinner for us both, just like without being, being asked, just kind of on a whim. Um, and there was a time when I was doing that to where the food wasn't, wasn't ready before he, before he got home. And I felt incredibly like upset and anxious and overwhelmed Mm -hmm. that like, I, it's not like, it's not ready for you. Like I, I have failed you as a friend because like the food isn't like ready when you walked in. And that was like, that was such a eye opening time of like, this isn't good. <laughs> like, like I should not feel <laughs> this kind of like overwhelming anxiety because like in, in my head, like I had to be perfect and I had to like make him love me and like want to be close to, to me. And so speaking of things that we have learned from these past interactions, um, that's something that I, I definitely am continuing to learn, but have just become a lot more aware of the like times that I'm putting forth energy to, um, love people, not, not out of this like incredible security of how loved I am, by Jesus, but how much I'm trying to get them to love me and to like be and to be with me and to want me that, um, just always leads to un unhealthy things. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's fun. And I say fun in like an ironic way, but it's fun to listen to these stories and knowing y'all's Enneagram types and tra- like seeing how they materialize yeah. in these different stories that you just mentioned. Um, cause I won't, I won't tell your story for you. I'll let y'all tell your own stories. But, but for me as a four, I'm constantly looking for a rescuer and somebody to save me from my plight. And so for, like I said, for 20, 21 years, I had no men in my life, no peers as friends in my life. And then this one came along and wanted to be my accountability partner. and would fly around the country with me to see me and hang out with me. And this felt like, you know, a two decade long, you know, reaching of the promised land. Like, oh my gosh, I found him. Here he is. And and when he's not the perfect friend and when he messes up and, and like, I'm not enough for him, he has to constantly seek out these other sexual encounters to satisfy his, his lust, you know, like that. I felt so offended by that. And I felt so depleted by that. Like, Oh no, I thought I found, thought I found the perfect friendship that was going to rescue me. And I've had to, I've had to come to terms with that realization that there is no rescuer, not in an earthly sense. Like there are going to be people who pour more into my life than others. Absolutely but there's never going to be one person that just fills every longing that I have. And that's something I've had to like sacrifice and lay down and realize that, yeah, I'm not going to find that on this side of 
of eternity. And, and I would say that friendship was definitely one that helped me start, start to unpack that, uh, that mindset that I've had ever since I was a little kid of wanting a, another man to, to save me. Who else has a fun attachment story? Can anyone think of other ones for other reasons or other scenarios possibly? Well, um, I wanted to bring up kind of my healthy emotional attachment. Yeah, let's talk about that too. Yeah, and and the reason I like this framing of attachment versus dependency um, is that I think it allows room for some kind of talking about our healthy experiences Mm -hmm. because... Mm -hmm. You know, okay, so when I first started, like, when I was first lurking with your other <laughs> brothers and reading some of the blog articles and some of the, listening to some of those early podcast episodes when um, when the topic was emotional dependency or emo dep, which... Emo dep. I want to go on the record and say I really, really hate that. Oh, uh, I love it so much. <laughs> it's my favorite term I, that we've coined. It sounds like a weird sci-fi, like... It's the mummy, like, a disease. Emotep. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and, and part of it, and something about it bothered me, and not just calling it emodep. Um, so, something bothered me about it, and I think kind of what I eventually was able to put my finger on is that I think there are, like, I think if I was to go all in with eliminating everything that smacks of emotional dependency in my life, then I'm not going to have any really close friendships because as we, as we form healthy friendships, we do start to depend on those people. And, and I think that that's something that we are called to as, as humans made in God's image is a healthy interdependence, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. among each other and with each other. And, so I guess I worried that just talking about emotional dependency sort of it it would be really easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater and and anything mm-hmm. where I, I start to feel like I need this person starts to feel like oh no am I idolizing this person like am I putting this person mm-hmm. like at the forefront of my life when I think it is fair to say like I I need something that I'm getting from this person Um, like, I don't think that's necessarily an unhealthy, bad place to be. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I think about that kind of healthy emotional interdependence and healthy emotional attachment, I think of my friend Micah, um, he lives in Japan. It's very sad that he's on the other side of the world, but we do talk on the phone and catch up every once in a while. And when we're in the same country by chance, um, we do get together and hang out and I'm, I'm uncle Ryan to his sons and I feel pretty, you know, pretty connected to his whole family. I spent Christmas with them two years ago. Um, dished my own family for Christmas wow. to, to spend Christmas with Micah and his family. Cause they were in, they were in North Carolina for the holidays. Um, and so that was just a sweet time. And I'm, I'm looking at actually, there's we're standing in my office and we I have some photographs from that. No way. Can I look yeah, at right them? here. Uh-huh. That's me and Micah. Yeah. So he's just a dear, dear friend. But really, like that relationship started on pretty rocky grounds. Like I think I was way more interested in building out that friendship than he was at the beginning. I think he might have been I'm I'm not sure. He it's possible he was a little freaked out at the beginning, or I think I think I 
kind of initiated a lot of affection with him that he wasn't really prepared to reciprocate. Um, and, and as our relationship developed, I did see some of those patterns of like wanting of like the poor boundaries. And, and this is before, this is before Jordan. So I have learned even less. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those poor boundaries and, and, uh, and, and bad expectations or, or, just not very circumspect expectations. And, um, and you know, that led to a lot of frustration and disappointment in the relationship. And there was, there was like a, a a long season, I think when, when I was sort of chasing after Jordan where we weren't, Micah and I weren't super close. Um, but then after college, well at the tail end of college and after college, we, um, we started spending more time together again and um and just over time that relationship became a lot better a lot more positive very healthy very um just just a relationship that i feel very secure in like i don't like with jordan and with these other unhealthy attachments i was just on the edge of my seat the whole time just just anxious about where is this going like how can i make it go where i want it to go um, you know, how can I ensure this relationship survives and continues? But with Micah, I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not hundred percent sure. I'm not a hundred percent sure I could like tell you why that is or how, how it got to be that way. I think time is a huge part of that. You know, we've been friends now for, um, for 12 to 15 years and, um, probably closer to 12, but but people want a, a cheat sheet of how to right. like, have yeah. a healthy friendship. Yeah. Like, besides time, like what else? What yeah. can I do? What am I actively doing to make sure this friendship is healthy and good expectations all around? Just chill. Just relax. <laughs> It'll be fine. You hear that, everyone? Just chill. <laughs> just chill. Chill just, out. Just be cool, okay? <laughs> just be cool. Yeah. Good, good advice. Yeah. No, so but anyway, I, I think time yeah. is a big part of that, though, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm not. I'm not like... I, I'm not ashamed to say, and I'm not like, you know, I, I need him. I need something I get from him. Like, do I, will I survive if, if something happens to Micah or if that relationship suddenly ends or if I don't get that, that? Yeah, but yeah, I'll survive. Like, I'll recover. But, but at the same time, I do, mm-hmm. like, right here where I stand, like, do need, I do need him in my life. And I think that's an okay okay place to be in the way that in the sense that that's true if that makes sense Mm. do you feel that reciprocated do you feel that he needs something from you i think i think now i do i think he needs different things from me than Mm. i need from him um and and the more we've talked about it the more we've acknowledged um different aspects of our friendship i think the more i've seen that and the more kind of secure i felt in that I think also kind of to uh, go off of what you were saying earlier about how like we we don't often do a good job of talking about the kind of healthy interdependencies that that are really good that I think it's it's important to recognize that like yes if if something super awful were were to happen in your friendship with him or if he were to like 
I don't know, uh, uh, passed away or like something that would cause you guys to not be able to be like actually close anymore. The fact that that would cause you incredible pain and heartache and like deep, deep, uh, uh, grieving that does not like your experience of those things does not mean that your connection to him was somehow unhealthy. Right. Or like, I think that, I think that too often we, we, any, any time that we feel any kind of negative emotions towards, towards friendships that, that undergo some, some kind of disconnect, we are very quick to then point to that and say, Hey, you're only feeling those things because you were emotionally dependent on them, which might, might be accurate, but that doesn't mean that that's, that's always the case. Yeah. I think Jacob, you're right. Like it's tempting to think that if, if we have pain on the other side of a relationship, that means we did something wrong. And I think in some of the, unhealthy relationships I've been in the pain on the other side was kind of this red flag that like, Oh, something, something was wrong. But then, um, but then grieving, grieving at the end can mean you did something right. Like you Mm. kind of like really, uh, invested in someone and engaged with someone and got close to someone and had real good intimacy with someone. And then when that's taken away, of course that's going to be painful. Mm -hmm. For sure. So when I think of um, healthy attachment, this is kind of like the tale of two roommates. The roommate that I've had since then, um, who I was able to live with for almost three years, his name's Nathan. He's uh, super great. And um, early on, it it was definitely um, a difficult thing trying to, to navigate um coming out of a living situation that was really not good when it comes to healthy attachment and wanting to be very careful going in um, to this new one to not basically recreate that entire scenario over again, but was also really difficult because um, he's a super awesome person and I felt some very, very strong feelings towards him. Um, and kind of to echo what you said, Tom, a a little bit is that like in, I guess not like really times that, that he was seeking, um, not in times that he was seeking sexual sin, but even just like in his pursuit to find a wife and to be married, I would even have a hard time interpreting that as like, why am I, why am I not enough? Like, why are you actively looking for this other person that you would rather be with that isn't, isn't me? Like, why, why can't I provide for all of, all of those needs? Like, why are you looking for, for someone else? And for a while there, for the first, probably maybe six months, close to a year, I actually, in, in my head, like we, um, we became incredibly excellent friends, but even so I would think that like when, when he gets married, if or when he he gets married, I'm going to be absolutely crushed. Like I won't like I, there were times that I thought like I will not 
survive him uh, getting married because I felt so like um, so attached. And but what I'm super super thankful for is that like over the course of the next couple years of us um, living together as our friendship deepened and just um, became more nuanced and like lots of really good, healthy things happened there. Um, can now say with, with absolute honesty, like he's, he's getting married next weekend. And I feel incredibly happy about that, about, about that happening and about being able to be a part of that day. And so, um, yeah, just like to, to, to see how, how those things change over time and like the kind of attachments and interdependencies that I feel towards him now is, um, is a really beautiful thing to think about. So you're not gonna, at the part where they say, does anyone object to this union? I do. To, <laughs> do they even still do that anymore? Do, is that part of marriage ceremonies? Have you guys ever Every heard that? Every once in a while. I've like actually I've never to, heard that. I've, I feel like I've been to one or two maybe. I've, okay, I've been in 12 weddings. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. So I've attended Popular. a lot more. And so I know what I'm talking about here. I've been there. I've You've been, been around there. the wedding block. Two or three, maybe that. Always a groomsman, though. Never a. Yeah, I'm working on my what is it? Twenty seven tuxedos. It is. That's awesome, Jacob. Yeah, I can see some some growth in my relationships as well. I've blogged about this one guy multiple times now and written about him in other contexts, but um, he was the first straight guy that I ever had a connection with and could share my sexuality with and and not be judged, but actually be accepted and loved and embraced. Um, both physically and spiritually, just to be really, to be embraced by another man in, in ways that I had never been before. And I very quickly realized that, oh, when life feels bad, when I feel bad, I can go to this person, he'll make me feel better. And even when things were going fine and they were, you know, good even, I would make myself feel bad to, or find some reason to be insecure about something and then go to him and tell him my problems essentially and have him hug me, have him pray over me, have him just be there and fix the thing. Um, it was very incredibly destructive and unhealthy and was reaching a uh, climactic explosion at some point. Um, and I've noticed though, like, cause that friendship ultimately fell apart and it didn't work out, but I still have days where it's hard to, I guess, think about that one, but, but I see direct growth with a friendship currently that's ongoing. And, and I even had a good conversation with this guy several several months ago and just ha- and just told him like yeah i have this tendency to make an idol out of straight men because they have this it's not even really about sexuality at that point it's more about masculinity that this person has it whatever it is you know it could be physical masculinity but it could be spiritual masculinity it could be whatever some kind of intangible trait that they have that i don't think i have or have as much of and i tend to like leech on to those types of men in my life and and it's great to be able to have like such an open conversation about like knowing where I've been in the past, knowing how one particular friendship failed um, in large part because of what I did and the way I interacted with this person. But to be able to put that card on the table and to not be judged for it and to be accepted mm. and to be like, and to hear in response like, yeah, you know what, Tom, I'm not going to be perfect and I'm not going to be able to save you and I'm not going to be able to to be that kind of person that you crave in your life. Cause it was great to just be able to say like, this is what I'm craving and this is what I 
this is the pattern that tends to happen, the idolization that tends to happen, but I don't, um, I don't need to let that cripple the friendship. I can say that and I can just put it out there and I can let the friendship be whatever it is. And, and to this point, that friendship has been really great and really redemptive. And when I look at the, the arc of my life and all the relationships I've had and the ones that have come and gone, um, it's really, yeah, I always, I'm convinced that nothing is wasted if we, we do a little honest self inventory, like, okay, what am I doing? Right. What am I, what could I be improving? Um, yeah, I think that's, that's one friendship in particular where I noticed direct like dividends from doing some, doing the hard work of realizing owning up to my faults and owning up to my tendencies and, and being able to spot them before they happen or as they're happening. Mm-hmm. So it's fun when we can learn. Yeah. Learning is great. And I thought of some practical takeaways from my friendship with Micah. If, if we're okay Ooh, yes. back to that, let's go, let's make a um, list. One thing like in retrospect that I see is that we have, we just have a lot of like common interests. And I think that's something that's really helped help the relationship survive is that we're totally into like the same nerdy books, the same video games, the same like kind of media and websites. And so there's always like that stuff to talk about. And I can talk to him like on the phone, like I've talked to him for like three hours before it's like 2am over in Japan. And (laughs) we're both like, where did the time go? Because we're talking about this stuff that is fun to talk about for both of us. And so I think that's helpful. I think for relationships like Jordan or other, other people who I've kind of been down this path with, like, honestly, we didn't really have all that much in common. Like Mm -hmm. we were, we were friends because I decided we should be friends because like (laughs) I, I felt uh, attracted to them in some way whether physically or emotionally or even spiritually. But at the end of the day, like no matter how, no matter how deep I pushed the friendship, we didn't have this breadth of friendship. And, and, and this is something that I'll go on and on about that I'll, you know, bring up over and over again is like healthy friendships have both depth and breadth. They have Mm -hmm. a depth of connection and vulnerability, but then they also have this breadth of shared experience and shared interests. And so Micah and I, we have both of those and that's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at, I've, I've gotten good at because I keep practicing (laughs) is like, uh, is cultivating that depth of relationship. But then something that has historically been easy for me to forget is to cultivate the breadth of relationship. And, and sometimes that's even harder because you can't make somebody interested in fantasy novels or Sufjan or Sufjan. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, so that was one thing is we just had a lot of shared interests and we had that breadth of relationship that we could connect over a lot of different things with. Um, the other thing is, I don't know, have you heard, have you guys heard of, um, Rhett and Link? Uh Our YouTube personalities. It sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, They actually went to the same college as me. Um, They were a little bit before my time, but um, but they now have a YouTube show and they're pretty they're pretty big on YouTube. They like have a morning show that goes every morning and they've been like best friends since kindergarten or something like they have. That's this is part of their story. Mm -hmm. Part of their brand is that they're best friends. They've been best friends for their whole life. Um, And they have this like really, uh, really beautiful friendship and and is something that I love to see, you know, portrayed in sort of 
as mainstream as you can call having a YouTube show. But, <laughs> um, but they wrote a book together. Um, I think it's called the book of mythicality. That's like what they called their brand is mythicality. And the very first chapter is entitled how to find a best friend. And <laughs> of course, you know, um, I was like, Oh, I'm going to read this uh, and take notes. But kind of like their, their first thing, their first big thing was, um, find someone who, who you can make laugh and who can make you laugh. And this is what they ascribe their lifelong friendship to is that they make each other laugh. They have this really compatible sense of humor. Um, and they say, if you can find a person like that, like you're going to be going back to that person. They're going to be going back to you. You're going to come back to each other over and over again because it is just fun to mm -hmm. talk to them, to spend time with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and and, and I feel like that's that's something I see with Micah, too, is that, like, we make each other laugh a lot. And so, like, there's always, um, like, no matter how heavy things get, there's always this sense of, um, like, there is kind of a stress relief at the end of the day of being able to laugh together. Um, that's huge, so, yeah. yeah. That's something that I can directly point to with the one friendship that didn't last from the straight guy that I referenced earlier that it was always so heavy and so deep all the time. And I, mm -hmm. and I was conscious, I was aware enough at the time to realize like, Oh gosh, like we don't like laugh enough. We don't just like be normal. Like why yeah. is everything always yeah. so heavy and deep? Mm -hmm. And, and it was really hard to get the gears going on that. And there were some things we shared in common, but there were a lot of things we didn't, but I think that's an absolutely, maybe an obvious thing, but maybe not obvious to some is that you need those, those moments to, to have shared levity and, connection yeah and i don't think i really saw or understood the value of that until mm. i read rhett and link's book but yeah, it is really huge. important well y'all make me laugh so there's yes that. you make me laugh <laughs> I'm so i'm so thankful i'm thankful that this uh -huh. podcast Amen. is yeah see see here's here's okay tom goes on a tangent time sometimes yes. people will write in and say i wish y'all would just talk about the subject the whole time why do you have to start with that stuff at the beginning and i'm like and we don't get that kind of feedback all the time or anything. I feel like if I got it enough, then I might course correct and adjust. But I really like the fact that this podcast can include, you know, the nitty gritty, which is why everyone's ultimately here. Like we're here to get the the meat of the, the podcast. But at the same time, if we can't laugh and we can't have connection in that on that vein too, like that doesn't feel healthy. That doesn't feel like we're destined for another 50 episodes. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. And I'll be honest. I, when I listen to this podcast, cause I do listen to the podcast cause I want to know what Tom edited out when, <laughs> answering, when I'm answering comments on the blog. Uh -huh. Um, when I listen to this podcast, I listen at like 1.5 X speed two X speed because mm. yeah, like I'm, you know, well you are on the podcast. Well, so also I feel like everyone just talks too slowly for me on podcasts. I listen to most of that speed. But I, I invite. We should just talk really fast for late night now, so people. Yeah. Are what really are you saying, Ryan? <laughs> Richard, Richard Clark. He's someone on Twitter. He would shoot me right now. He has a big, personal. He has a gripe against speeding has, up the podcast. Yeah, he really hates that. Anyway, uh, all that to say, people who, um, who want to get to the meaty stuff, consider listening at one point five x two x speed. That's something I've found very valuable. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I invite you to change Perfect. your listening experience. Change your listening like, experience. I mean, yeah. if for people who don't know how to have fun and who don't know how to laugh and joke, I don't trust. And so I wouldn't want, like, if we just did, like, meaty things and we didn't do anything that was that was lighter or that 
was silly. Like, I don't see how listeners would actually would actually trust us as people of like yeah. that's true am i am i feel like trying too hard i th- i think yeah i'd like to think we've developed a rapport with our listeners to this point i mean they mm-hmm. write in and say they love the show and that when we were gone for two months said that they missed the show so i'd like to think that they like us oh mm-hmm. we're liked <laughs> we are loved yeah yeah that's Something that for me, maybe this is just like, yeah, so obvious to most of our listenership or to people in general. But for me, that is like a thing that I had to learn going through, like, because it was so intoxicatingly like glorious for me to start to process sexuality and masculinity with people. And it was these deep, heavy things that were concealed and stuffed down for 20 some years. And so to just remember what, oh yeah, oh yeah, I can just watch a movie. I can watch a comedy with somebody or I can you know, go to a game with somebody or, or play a board game with somebody, or I can, you know, whatever, any kind of frivolous light activity that doesn't have to be so deep and soul sucking. Like that's, that carries a lot of weight too. And that's something that shouldn't be neglected in, Mm -hmm. in our friendships as we attach to people, as we depend on people in healthy ways. Many years ago, as a little boy, I desired friends, desired it more than anything. I can still remember in first and second grade looking around at the other boys in my class, a small Christian school. I only had eight or ten faces to choose from. And I imagined friendship, close, intimate friendship, whatever that even means, whatever that even looks like for a first and second grader. Sleepovers, birthday parties, spending time together outside of this time that we were forced to spend together in the classroom or in the lunchroom or or at recess. And for whatever reason, as a kid, I never got to experience those things. Always wondered what it would be like to have a friendship like that. And I can remember being this kid in elementary school with a small chalkboard that my parents gave me. And on this chalkboard, I would write all kinds of nerdy things as, as an academic, someone who loved facts and math and generally enjoyed education. I would certainly use this chalkboard for those things, but, but I can also remember on one particular occasion writing a Bible verse on my little chalkboard. And at the time, it was by far my favorite Bible verse I'd ever encountered because it spoke to something so deep in me, something that I craved, desired with all my heart, believed that it existed, even though I couldn't see it. Over the years, this Bible verse has remained one of my favorites, despite encountering dozens and hundreds and thousands others in the years since. Different versions of this scripture read as follows. Proverbs 18, 24. The New King James Version. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The English Standard Version reading, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The New International Version, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The Good News Translation. 
Some friendships do not last, but some friends are more loyal than brothers. And the message, friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. And so, my brothers, may you learn to rely on your fellow man. May you gain from him, gaining wisdom, gaining laughter. And may you also gain growth in Christ as you depend on your fellow man, as you attach to him, attaching in all the good and right and healthy and necessary ways. And in this attaching, in this dependence, may he also gain from you fortitude, joy, a journeying deeper and deeper with this Jesus, a depending on one another as you lean ultimately on Christ, the rock on which we stand. May we attach to one another as we were made to do, growing together as humans, growing as men, growing as brothers, brothers in this church, this body, brothers like family. I feel really like I I almost feel a little bit relieved like telling some of these stories to you guys. Like I don't think mm-hmm. I've really said a lot about Jordan in the past several years or or even Micah for that matter. And so it's good to it was good to share share some of that with you guys. Yeah. It's good to hear real life stories from you two and to be able to like slide more puzzle pieces into place and be like, oh yeah, this is how Ryan became who, who I know as Ryan and how Jacob became who I know as Jacob, because he went through like part of that experience of going through this friendship that didn't work or, or ones that did has made you who the kind of friend that you are today. And that's really special to be able to be able to put those pieces together. <laughs> Jacob's holding up a heart, I'm holding up a heart for those who, who can't see. Yeah. I would agree. I think that, um, I think that it's, um, really cool that like, as, as, as close as we've become, like knowing that, knowing that, that there is still a lot of both of your, of your stories that I don't know that it's yeah really cool to get to learn more. Maybe in 50 more episodes, we'll know everything. <laughs> I'll there take, will be nothing left to say. Nothing left to say. <laughs> yeah. And we'll have a grand finale and then your <laughs> other brothers is over. We have figured it out. The clock is ticking now. <laughs> Wrap it Episode up. Episode 100 is it. <laughs> We're halfway there. Um, so I want to hear from you guys listening. I want to hear your attachment stories. Tell us about attachment, both positive and negative, that you've experienced in your life. Either, yeah, over-attachment, under-attachment to somebody, Um where it worked out, where it didn't work out. I'd love to hear those stories. Go over to yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast and find the episode 50 post. 55-0. That's a 5-0. Not right 15. Then. We ain't, we ain't no. young anymore. Yeah, we've, we've baby boomered. We're in baby boomer territory now. <laughs> it's a golden uh, anniversary. Leave us a comment. We always love hearing from you guys in the comment section on our website. So please go ahead and leave us a comment. Oh my gosh. I totally forgot to tell us about the sponsor for this episode. <laughs> oh, I was wondering because this is like this is like an easy like low hanging fruit sponsor. Like, 
There we, are like eight different sponsors that immediately come to my mind for this. So oh, no, yeah, there is an easy sponsor that came to mind. But you know what? I think my, my, my gut tells me, I have a hunch that we're not done talking about attachment yet. And so it's very possible mm. that the sponsor might come back next episode if, if, uh, if things go the way that I think that they will. So, so maybe the sponsor, the sponsor will hold off on this episode. The sponsor is the little like alcohol swab that comes with some some certain kinds of command strips, so you can prepare the wall for attachment. Wow, <laughs> wow. that's so it's specific. Like, it's like the proto attachment. So many layers there. Yeah, uh, wow. The pre-attachment. Yeah, where would we be without <laughs> preparatory alcohol swabs? <laughs> yes, and where would Yab be without the Yabcast? Y'all, this was great to be able to get back in the groove mm-hmm. again with you guys. Um, thanks again for our faithful mm-hmm. listeners. We are uh, we're getting the train back on the tracks as Ryan prepares to get on the train. Yes, on his tracks, it's all connected. All right, y'all. So that's it for all your other brothers. This is Tom. This is Ryan. This is Jacob. Reminding you that you are not alone. Even the sparrow finds a home. See you next time, everybody. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for bye. sticking with us for 50 episodes. Say I, bye ruined, I ruined the ending. <laughs> Sorry. I, ruined. I interrupted Ryan. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers podcast. Navigate more with us at yourotherbrothers.com and comment on this episode at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Subscribe to our show to never miss an episode. And if you enjoy what we do, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. If you'd like to further support our storytelling effort, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly and receive perks like calls with authors and other supporters, access to a secret Facebook group, and additional podcast content. Visit patreon.com slash yourotherbros for more information. Don't miss our monthly bonus podcast on Patreon, The Yabalog, featuring responses to previous podcasts, content not featured in public episodes, calls from listeners, and more. Ask us a question or tell us a story by leaving us a message at 706-389-8009. If you're new to the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com. You can also write us at yourotherbrothers, P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us.